0: I have been thinking about this and I should have probably said something to you Here we before are. we hit record. <laughs> but I know, um, yeah, this is the way we roll, folks. This is how it happens. <laughs> the world is kind of in a really weird place right now yeah. with the shitstorm that happened last week. And we all know about that and we all lived through that with like glued to our televisions and our jaws hanging open at the atrocity that was was happening. Uh And I just, I feel like we need, did need to say that, but I know that this podcast is a little Mm -hmm. bit of an escape for me and for you as well, and hopefully for our listeners. So if we don't dwell on that on this episode, it's not that we're being insensitive. It is a conscious choice to give you a little bit of a, you know, since we're on it,
1: I do think it's worth saying that I really do believe passionately that these stories make a difference. It, there's study after study that shows that when you experience story and especially with reading or any sort of arts that it builds up your empathy. And so I actually wrote about this in my newsletter last week. So mm-hmm. what great timing, but truly, I mean, the, the world is so divided. We're at a place where you know, the hate has built up in the, the willful ignorance is built up to a point where we can't even talk to each other because we're not working with the same quote facts. And I think that stories have such an important role to play in building up human beings who don't get to that point or who can overcome that and make better connections with each other. And so stories have such an important role in our world and uh, in particular stories that are diverse, making sure that you're experiencing stories that are not from a point of view like your own, but other points of view as well. And I think with that kind of note to the side we can kind of make our pivot into more of the uh, celebration of stories in that creativity and the escapism of it
0: beautiful I love that and it's absolutely right so I think in this episode we're taking a look back at 2020 <laughs> what a year um <laughs> we actually rec- yeah, like we recorded this episode once and I was just brain dead from trying to think of it and everything that was going on. And I was like, you know what, we're going to take a mulligan and we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, it was very <laughs> on
1: theme for 2020 all around.
0: It was very much. It was very much like I could barely. So one of the things talking about a look back, um, I was telling EJ that I read The Starless Sea in January of 2020. And I swear to God, it feels like I read that book like five years ago. Like that feels so far away. It was a whole different lifetime ago. It was yeah, pre COVID. Yeah. You know? Like I looked at the world differently. The world seemed bigger than it does now. <laughs> oh Everything feels smaller because we've all experienced this global you can't pandemic go out anywhere. So
1: it's like, yeah, yeah, that is your world. It's your four walls. Mm. That is very true. Mm. You're making that me sad. That is very
0: true. <laughs> no, don't be sad. That's, I'm like the worst. I'm like, uh, do you remember the cartoon? You probably don't remember this. The little people. And it was like, Little Miss Bossy, Little Mr. This. Like, and they basically were just one no. personality. Like, one characteristic. And that was all the thing was. And I feel like I'm like, Little Miss Debbie Downer. Because every time I talk, I'm like, the world is on fire. The world is on fire good lord I mean like we had a coup
1: last week and next week we're bracing for it to come back again so you know meanwhile oh we're all God. stuck in our homes but hey
0: let's let's, let's look back time time on it yeah, really really
1: <laughs> dwelling on this
0: I do want to say something, say something positive. positive do it so my friend Amy who is a wonderful romance writer Amy Jones Amy Catherine Jones Pointed out that in 2020, the year started out really good and it got progressively worse. And so she pointed out that hopefully 2021 is just going to start out as bad as it's going to get. And it's just going to get better and better and better. And that is what I am grasping at and hoping at. I'm like, okay. But she said this before mm. everything went down and the Capitol She said this like weeks ago and then she said it. And then like all that happened. I was like, Oh dear God, she's right. It's a storm, but hopefully it's going to get better. The new administration moves in. Some awesome fiction comes out. I will
1: say 2020 was a fabulous year for some good fantasy, sci-fi, dark horror type of glorious stuff all right up my alley. And I know yours too. So hope and i do think that having taken a little peek ahead at some of the stuff that's expected to come out this year that this is going to continue so you know i would rather have a world without coups and pandemics but all things considered it's a nice silver lining
0: yeah i mean i feel like you have to find a silver lining for us to stay Mm -hmm. mentally okay Mm -hmm. we have to look for the good thing you know
1: so So what did you love this year
0: what were your favorites mm Fiction-wise, um, so I'm trying really hard to be positive, and I discovered some pretty good shows this year, actually. Um, there was a show called Upload that came on, was it Amazon Prime? Yeah, Amazon Prime. And if you like The Good Place, if you're a fan of The Good Place, I feel like you would like Upload. It was when my husband watched and was actually like, you need to watch this, and I was like, eh, I'll get to it. Um... And then I finally watched it at the very end of 2020, actually. I think it came out kind of toward the middle. And it was a lot of fun. Like, I can't wait for the next season to come out. Basically, when you die, you can be uploaded um, to, like, this virtual reality. And depending, uh, this, this, like, guy is dating this girl. And she's got, like, a lot of money. And so she pays (laughs) to have him uploaded. And he's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because now he's, like, indebted to her. Because you can still visit... People can still visit oh, with you from the outside. There's even really weird interactions that can happen involving strange suits. <gasps> I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, yeah, and there's all these different worlds you can do. Like I think <laughs> Disney owns one. Like that just, seems right. No, that all that all jives. Bananas. That sounds really interesting. And- <laughs> It is. And like, they'll get upgrades. Like, Oh, "Oh, we get the new upgrade this year. We can now taste like peanut butter to make sure you have (laughs) enough
1: money for all your post-life upgrades.
0: Well, the guy, the main character, it kind of hints at this. Um, it was a lot of world building and a lot of story building in the first season, but he, him and his business partner before he died, before he was maybe killed, maybe not killed. That's kind of what it was looking at. And I don't want to give anything away. Um, and, honestly, I don't know that it did solve that by the end, but, um, was looking at a way to make an uploaded virtual reality after death free Mm. for like everybody, which was going to hurt like the business Mm -hmm. end of it. It It's very interesting. I think you would like it. And for all of, um, you know, all of the mystery and intrigue and like thriller sides of it, it's very funny. Um, and I feel like it's, Something you can watch when the world is on fire to get your Amazing. mind off of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not pure fluff, but That's it's That's really good. Speaking entertaining. Of,
1: so The Good Place was actually one of the shows that I binged start to finish this year. I had gotten about halfway through the seasons and then lost things that I could just keep binging because they were creating new seasons. So I just waited until they were completely done. And then I made uh, my spouse binge it all with me. And, um... That was another one of those shows where it is. It's very playful. It's very clever. They keep it pretty lighthearted for the most part. But holy mackerel, I did not expect for it to land in such a, I mean, it wasn't a dark place, but it was a
0: tough place. Have you seen the end? No, I saw the first season and you know, I have like that thing with 10 dancing, but um, (laughs) I like (laughs) <laughs> I have an wait avoidance I think Ted that dancing. was the actually
1: something we recorded in the first version of this episode so you should probably explain
0: we did <laughs> I'm not going to get into it as in detail because I feel like I need a therapist to unpack this but used to I worked in the beauty industry and I had a client this guy and he was the mo- he was uh, this isn't anything against the real Ted dancing okay but I had the biggest pervert of a client that looked like Ted Danson. And he scarred me for life. I was in my 20s. Nothing, like, actually happened. There was, like, no Me Too moment or anything like that. It was just just, just creepy. Really (laughs) creepy, skeezy guy. He was almost a cartoon (laughs) character. It was, like, because looking back, it's comical, It's only comical if he's still not acting that way. He probably is. He's probably still a skis ball. But looking back, if it was on a show, he would be that gross guy that's something like slapstick happened to and everybody like laughed at but but it was just ugh. so he ruined i can't watch cheers i can't watch yeah. the good place well, you know cheers
1: might reinforce some so of that son. for you a little bit too much so like he's mostly a good guy but it's the 80s and <laughs> none of our awakenings had happened yet on this front so i i have a problem with cheers to some degree uh but but yeah the good place if you could move beyond that or for others who don't have the scarring uh it's
0: <laughs> if you don't have the aversion to Ted Danson, a good
1: place very might enjoyable. be for you. They are really good at keeping it twisty throughout, and then where it lands is very appropriate for the show. But left me in like a very like a state of ennui, of like philosophical wrestling, which is appropriate given how phil- philosophically heavy the show is. But was not great mm-hmm. for the mood. I was going to this show for in these particular times. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that was harder than I thought.
0: What's the name of the, um, I can see her face. Kristen like, Bell. The, the blonde girl that's, yes, I love
1: her. Okay, look. I love her. Speaking of, based on my love of her, I just this past week or so binged her first TV show, Veronica Mars, which again was like okay. a wild ride. And I mean that in the best way. So the way the show works, have you seen it?
0: No, but I know the premise of it. So she's a teen PI. It's um, a very like
1: crime noir type of deal. Her father used to be the sheriff. Now he's a PI. Her best friend was murdered. Uh, She was drugged and raped. And then her mother left all in like quick succession right before the show starts. So she starts from like this dark, very noir appropriate mood Uh, But it's very high action. There's always these mysteries to be solved. There's some thriller elements to it. And she is just a very strong, quippy, fun character who's very cynical and like just like hit all those sweet spots for me, right? So it ran for three seasons and then it got canceled on the CW. Then it came back. As a Kickstarter fan-funded movie where she comes back 10 years later to her town and solves another crime. Then, based on the continued propelled fandom. And by the way, like the gaps in the show reflected the gaps in real time between when the show started and stopped. So, three seasons, 10 years, a movie. Okay. And then a few, like about five years after that it picked up again as a Hulu show for a fourth season.
0: Okay. So it's
1: very interesting. And they do a really good job of a lot of different things. Like if you're looking for a good study on like character evolution, a good study in character, like chemistry. Oh my God. Like I am so obsessed with some of the dynamics between these characters. Like I could not think about anything else. Seriously. Could not think about anything else. Stopped reading.
0: So it's all available on Hulu? It's all available
1: on Hulu, except for the movie, which I had to get through Amazon Prime. But, so you go on this wild ride. There's these, like, epic relationships and these shifting dynamics that happen over seasons and years, quite literally. And then at the end of the final season, which, by the way, season four was supposed to be the start of a, a refresh for the entire show on Hulu. So they were going to shift to that long-term was the tentative plan. Okay. That never happened because of a creative choice made by the showrunner in the final episode. And I don't want to get too much into it except to say that it has like dominated my thinking for the past several days since I watched it.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm looking for something to watch. I think you you need to watch it and then we need to
1: unpack it in full in a series that is like spoiler heavy so that we can really just get into the nitty gritty. Like there are communities online dedicated to like vindicating their rage of this fight, this creative choice. Like that's all I'm going to (laughs) say.
0: Well, yeah, because the show is going to come back. This happened and and they
1: lost their fandom. And frankly, I mean, he was trying to make a creative choice that was going to propel a new era for the show and set her free of some of the, like, original setup and make it, like, more appropriate for a reboot. He
0: made the wrong choice. Okay, I'm so curious (laughs) now. Like... I am gonna look next time we record. I'm gonna and be all over I will it say this. I'm dying. I found
1: out just barely enough to really spoil it for me by by making the mistake of trying to Google one of the characters' names before I made it through the entire show because autofill on Google gave me one extra word that told me too much. So you have to be really oh, no. careful. Just like get through it and then do your exploration. But I'm really curious to see if the, if you have the same response to me. Because, like, from season one, I just, like, lost my mind. Like, I think part of it was the times. It was the holidays. It was this year. It was, like, the election and everything. Like, I needed something to throw my brain into. And this just sucked me right in. But it's not letting go. <laughs> it's really bad.
0: <laughs> that's, like, I don't know if it's bad or it's that's powerful. good, though. And you know what's going to happen... Because, like, I've stumbled through life just knowing the Mm -hmm. name Veronica Mars and knowing, like, Teen P.I. and, like, knowing really nothing else. But now that I want to watch it without spoilers, it's going to be everywhere. My phone is going to tell me. So, okay, this is kind of a pivot back to, like, we got to Veronica Mm -hmm. Mars from The Good Place, which made me think I actually didn't have this wrote down because I watched it. It's a cheater because it's a look back, and I actually watched it, like, (laughs) <laughs> January second or something I binged it, but it's from twenty twenty. It's a show called uh, Miracle Workers. Have no. you heard about that? Daniel Ratcliffe, yeah, Harry Potter plays an angel. Steve Buscemi oh, plays so God. screwed up. I love this it is so screwed up. It's so good. It's hilarious. It has a happy ending. but basically, god is like eh not really digging (laughs) earth anymore who is gonna blow it up like you know and like everybody's like oh my god because everybody else loves earth um and you learn a lot more about steve bushimi god and like what that means and like what the planet means and it's just like way out there and it's hilarious i want to say i watched it on hbo maybe yeah so to save earth this one angel i can't remember her name but she she's, like, got to just basically grant one, like, answer one prayer. And to answer prayers, you have to have very, there's very specific guidelines. It has to, like, appear natural. Like, you can't just zap things. Like, you have to, like, blow a leaf across the parking lot and bump it into, like, this other thing that sets this whole chain of events into action. So it can take... Like, somebody will be praying, like, please, God, let me find my glove. And, like, poor Daniel Radcliffe will be oh up God. in there, like, blowing leaf after leaf for, like, 20 minutes. And the guy finally finds his glove. And he's like, yes, prayer answered. Like, it's just so ridiculous in the best way. But she's got to make these people fall in love. And, like, of course, everything comes between them. And the good thing that I love about this is that each season is its own anthology. So, entrance into an anthology. So, season one, it has, you know, Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi and this whole cast of characters that are really great. And it's in heaven and Steve Buscemi is God and there's this whole plot. Well, season two, I just saw, I haven't watched it yet. Same characters, I mean, same actors. Completely different plot, completely different script. They're in the dark (laughs) ages and it's a whole different thing. And I (laughs) love that. Like, love it. And uh, I'm just way into it I'm like waiting for the paywall to come down because right now you have to buy season two and I'm like okay I'm just gonna wait this out with Veronica it's gonna Mars. be a ride I am here for you
1: uh but no that sounds amazing I can't believe I hadn't heard of that I am such a sucker oh, love for it. that whole like screwed up heaven type of trope yeah like the good whole omens. good omens preacher yeah, has a really yeah. good version of that I love it I cannot
0: get enough of it You're gonna love this, and it's it's fun. So it's not like it's not really dark at all. It's stupid. It's like over the top stupid. I laughed so hard.
1: (laughs) All right, you're picking me up off the pavement here to to try another show again. It's like like seriously, I just got steamrolled. I'm not usually that much of an emotional like sucker for things, but this
0: show like from the start, I was just there. (sighs) Ah. I need to watch it. I'm an emotional sucker for like everything. <laughs> like I'm either all in or well, not. I apologize in, at all, in advance, so. but just keep me posted
1: when you need someone to talk to as you get through this roller coaster. Text me or something.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna text you. Just em- do it. Text you emojis. Yeah, like where I'm at. So, did you have something in 2020 that you were really looking forward to? Um, in 2020 that either lived up to it and you loved it, or maybe was a little bit of a letdown?
1: Yeah, I definitely had some books like that, but also um, the show Lovecraft Country really was hitting that for me. And it wasn't perfect. It had some problems. The entire internet knows what they were with some of their character treatments and choices. But by and large, it was a really excellent show that hit on some really important themes. And, The treatment of it was like just right so much fun i can't wait for more i'm obsessed with the characters especially luddy and it just went to some really wild topsy-turvy places and it was just (laughs) yeah again just like hit those sweet spots for me
0: that's kind of how i felt about the watchmen like um i loved it I, i watched it all back to back to back it wasn't perfect there were definitely things that I felt like could have been explored a little bit more, but I'm really excited for them to have another. I hope they have another I season. I thought I, don't I heard know it was
1: standalone.
0: Oh god! But it ended in such like the best Ooh, place for a season two. That's problematic. Maybe I heard wrong. Did you, I'm gonna take it back? Yeah. Well, there's not a hmm. there's not a cliffhanger. It could end, but it would. I'm just gonna say it would be very I, kickass if. God, I they started. The Watchmen. I love the Doomsday. Yeah. Clock. I like it's really hard not to give spoilers. And I feel like that's the difference when we do a show and it's just on like one show. Like you can expect spoilers, but this is like just we want people to know what we've watched and I yeah. don't want to ruin it for them before yeah. they've had the opportunity. But just trust me, if you haven't watched Watchmen, you should watch it. And the last we'll episode find makes space the whole for show. like
1: deep dives into individual things like we did with like the horror series. In October, and um, that can be yeah, a space where we can fun. do some safer spoilers because people will will warn people before they start listening. Uh, so yeah, I I started the first episode of the of Watchmen, like mid pandemic somewhere in there, <laughs> somewhere in that blur, and got to the end of it, realized I was like really into the vibe, but had no clue what had just happened, and I was just like, I'm gonna have to circle back on this. So that one's still on my list, but I'm a big fan of other watchmen things that came before it
0: yeah well it had a little bit it had a Mm -hmm. little bit of a soggy middle so eh, you know you could probably just circle back to the last couple of episodes and it picks back up like it starts really hard it kind of gets weird in the middle and I just like I wasn't
1: retaining so it was a little dense for the moment but I'll get back to it it was getting a lot of nods and stuff from the awards and sounds like it really deserved it (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm still waiting to dive in. I started Lovecraft Country, and I don't remember why. I didn't, like, intentionally stop watching it, but, like, we just, like, with everything, I think I started watching just, like, really fluffy shows for a little bit, you know? And uh, I have every intention of diving back in because it looks fantastic, and the episodes that I saw were fantastic. Um, But it seemed like it was just kind of getting to, like, the meat of the plot like my last memory. Yeah, of the I would last say that
1: Lovecraft Country walks a fine line between standalone episodes and plot development. Um especially among the first few episodes, I got very distinct vibes from each one. Um you know, like the first one's very like fantastical like tropey sci-fi adventure. Like um what's the word I'm looking for? Like um pulp. It felt very pulp which is very appropriate for something referencing like a Lovecraft type of sci-fi. And then the second one felt a little bit more kind of fantastical gothic. And then it went into like a haunted house, like horror type of vibe for another episode. So it hopped around a little bit. And then there's one that had a lot of like time and space type of travel. So I kind of got the feeling I'm not well versed enough in my Lovecraft to appreciate this fully, I don't think but I think they were doing a lot of heavy referencing to some of his work while also doing a total um, unpacking of some of the racial issues within his work and that he kind of like had a big impetus of driving within the, the genre and business of publishing for a long time. Uh, So a very mixed legacy that they did a really good job of both celebrating and wrestling with um, simultaneously. So, but but if you were feeling like episode to episode, it was kind of building, but also not like dedicated to sequential arcs that may have been like for really good reasons.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't too far off there then. So, Birds of Prey was the last movie I saw in the theater before like
1: oh, the world yeah. fell apart. That
0: was this year. It was so fun. It wasn't, I don't know, I guess looking back, I'm like, what did you expect it to be? Because it's DC, it's Harley Quinn. It's coming after Suicide Squad, which was all over the place. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was exactly what it was supposed to be. It got shit on by a lot of people and I didn't think that was right because i'm like what are you comparing it to because if you're comparing <laughs> it to other dc movies like it is a hell of a lot better than aquaman let me tell you that the superhero movie is is a lost art like we just need to quit superheroes for a while but it was fun because it made fun of itself yeah I, I, and i like well the cast is what's made it good too like everybody in it was pretty talented it was a lot of
1: a lot of fun they put together yeah a really great girl gang for that um actually I believe, oh, and I wish I remember what the name of the character was in um, Birds of Prey, but one of the Birds of Prey actresses is my favorite character on Lovecraft Country, Luddy. Uh, So that's something to know. Uh, She's in both of those, so she had a good year. Also jumping off of that, one of my flagged videos for... Videos like this is something we're making in my backyard. Uh, one of the movies I <laughs> that's coming up in 2021 is another Suicide Squad film, and it looks like this time, like I'm sure it'll to some degree be a little bit fractured and weird, like the first one was, because that seems to be what every superhero movie, is like it's like flopping on these year this these days. But um, it looks like it's going to be a huge like just celebrity stuffed cast with a bunch of like zany tropey weirdness that's just really off the wall so margot robbie's coming back as harley quinn obviously and then you'll have violet davis again a lot of that group but then it's like everybody you could think of is in this movie but the two that i wrote down among this gigantic list of people were nathan fillion (laughs) really yes and pete davidson what yes wait So that gives you a sense of the tone for this film. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with it, and I also think it's going to be awful. So let's Uh, go. But
0: you know, if you go in and it's supposed to be awful, that's completely different. Awful can be done in a great way. Because I, like, mm, there's some things that I highly enjoy that from an artistic standpoint and a crap standpoint (laughs) are just terrible absolutely but I have so much fun every time I watch them you know and that's different than when something takes itself too seriously and it's still awful you know like when it's cringy like know what you are yeah no that's a great point because there's some shows that I watch um superhero shows um and I feel like the problem is when it can't decide if it's tr- if it's gritty or if it's, like, bubble gum and it goes back and forth. So you alienate one audience or the other. Because if you go in and you're supposed to be this thing that 12 year old, are, like, hanging posters up in their wall over, that's completely different than, like, what the, you know, 28-year-old super fan that's read every fic on the internet is expecting. Yes. You know, so you kind of just have to go with one. Throw an Easter egg in there. You know, but <laughs> but you can't be everything to every right
1: uh, viewer or every reader. Pick a direction and go long. Yeah,
0: and I feel like Birds of Prey did that
1: absolutely. I think you're right about that. And yeah, like they knew who they were for. It was for these people who were looking for these like superhero, supervillain, kind of antihero characters who could just kind of go nuts and be crazy and be badass. And they delivered on that. It was so much fun. It was so zany. And, yeah, I think this next one's going to be just, like, mega campy, mega weird, maybe a little nonsensical. And, yeah, like, and I, I got to give it credit because I am, I used to be the biggest superhero anything fan. I am so done with superheroes at this point. I don't care anymore. <laughs> You're you so jaded makes, about the superheroes. Just kill them. <laughs> kill them all. This I did like watch Wonder Woman in 1984 over Christmas break. But, uh, and I enjoyed it. I did. But like I, for the most part, yeah. I'm done. So if you can get me excited about a superhero movie, like Suicide Squad got me amped up watching the, pre- the uh, teaser. And so that I think in itself says a lot at this point.
0: I'm going to YouTube it the second we're done. <laughs> we'll link we'll... it. Yes. Well, if you know, if our person that's supposed to do show notes turns in her show notes, <laughs> we will link it.
1: We're not pointing any (laughs) fingers. We're just hanging out.
0: No, it's me. (laughs) So most... I'm like just kind of going down my notes here. Favorite book of 2020? Okay. For me, it's a little bit of a tie. Okay.
1: I'm going to pick one that I think is the one that you're not going to say because I think the other one might be the one you're going to say. Oh, you know what I'm going to say. So for me... Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas. And this book caught me like right in the depths of my horror, gothic fanaticism over the summer.
0: Oh yeah, you did take a dive
1: into that. And it hit so hard. And it hit everything I was craving. And then on top of that, her writing style is very... I mean, it doesn't come off as distinct on its own, but the way that she describes these characters and the the choices that they make is incredibly memorable, and it makes it very striking. Every character in this book was very peculiar in a little bit of a way, and then um, they would make very strange choices that are never explained, but they're very... Uh, like emotionally evocative in some way. Uh, The example that stands out to me the most is that this girl who's the narrator, like within the first couple of weeks she's there, her roommate is very shy and very kind of neurotic. And she has this snail that she really loves and keeps on her desk and plays with all the time, but they're not allowed to have pets. And so they hear that there's going to be a room search for some reason. And it's supposed to be a surprise. They're going to, like, catch everybody with whatever contraband they brought in. And so I don't even remember if the rooms are tapped or not. But the girl, the narrator comes back to her room following the aftermath of this. And this girl has crushed her snail because she was so afraid of getting caught with it.
0: Oh, no. Right? Like,
1: doesn't that just, like, set a mood? And you never fully understand what her thinking was that made her think that was the choice that should be made. But... That's what happens. And so there's these little things like that that are not even necessarily part of the greater plot, but tell you so much. And they're so like, like, like primal in a way that Mm -hmm. it's just a very striking book. And then the other thing that I really like about it is that it's a very gothic treatment to the story, but it's also very sci-fi and elements that are very critical to the plot. And I've never seen that with Gothic before and it worked very well. Yeah,
0: that sounds amazing. I know there's something about these weird little decisions or little, it can be a decision or just an internal flicker of a thought or something you see that has no point to the plot, but can be like some of the best forms of world building. I feel like in a book, because it'll tell you so much about where you are without telling you where you are you know what i mean yeah like you've got a roommate that's gonna kill your pet to keep from getting caught with it even if it is just a little snail that's pretty chilling you know so Catherine house is one of these books that i've wanted to read forever ever since you recommended it and i have it in my libby queue and it comes up and i click borrow later because you know how the libby queue is it is intense it's huge it's a problem like every time somebody tells you something (laughs) you click put it on hold yeah, yeah. And then you get books you've been waiting for forever. And you have to read those first because you know if you if you update your hold, you're not going to get them again for like six months. Well, and it tells you
1: how many people are waiting on you to finish the book. It's Oh, my God. Cruel.
0: Five awful. people are waiting on me to finish The Only Good Indians. And I'm like, I'm reading as fast mm. as I can. Yeah. But so Catherine House, though, I have actually never dived in to even see what like it's about because I'm just going solely off of your... Recommendation and this really gorgeous, creepy cover that it yeah, has.
1: Yeah, and I got to say, like, the description of the premise is not going to do much for you anyway. Um, I, I started it on a bit of a leap of faith based on the buzz I was hearing about it, um, but the premise itself left me with a lot of questions, so I
0: wouldn't worry about it. Okay. Okay. So does it, do you want to tell us, is it, does it take place like in a school? It takes place in a
1: school and it's like an alternative to college. Like it's not officially a college, but it's like a learning environment. And it's very, it's both very open, but also very strict. So if you agree to like, it's a very competitive selection process because no one pays to go there. It's all funded somehow, which is part of the sketchiness of it.
0: So is it a claustrophobic book? Like yeah. everybody's crammed together. I love that. Yeah, that is in this the very
1: old building, this historic building where it's always been. That's kind of like showing its age. Yeah, and then um, so yeah, like no one's allowed in or out. You're not allowed to have anything from the outside world. So there's no internet. There's well, there's not supposed to be phones. There's not supposed to be media from the outside world during this time. You're dedicated to this openness to learning. But then, like, the programs are kind of loosey-goosey. Some of them are kind of secretive. And so that's kind of some of the sci-fi components that start to come in. There's some sort of weird experiments that they're doing sometimes on students. And so, yeah, uh, there's there's a lot going on. But, like, this, this general premise at the start of, like, this not college college experience where people are just agreeing to be locked up for three years, essentially, and that willing to just have this educational experience is was something where on its own, I would just would have been like, maybe I'll get to it someday. <laughs> I don't know. Right. But it's much, much more than that in just the way it's packaged and delivered and the characters involved and everything. So,
0: well, I can't wait to get to it. Well, I will get to it um, this year. <laughs> this year. I'm all living cute.
1: When Libby becomes threatening enough. I There's so many books I do that with.
0: Yeah. Girl, yes, I, mm hmm. My most anticipated for 2021 just came up on my Libby Q, and I'm like, do I read it now, or there's five people waiting on this other book? And I know. what do I do? I know. But um, <laughs> I'll tell you that one later. But I think my favorite of 2020 is no surprise. It's not really sci fi, it's more just, I guess, speculative, it's fantasy, it's, um, mythology would be circe. <laughs> oh, you surprised me. <laughs> or Oh, did I or Song of Achilles? Like I am so Song of Achilles wrecked me. I am still wrecked from that book. It was a book that I read. Yeah, it was so good that when I finished it, I went and read all these other books on the same topic to see how other authors addressed this myth and this history. And like for me personally, none of them came close it was just really great madeline
1: miller's writing style just infuriates me with how gorgeous it is
0: it is so good it is so good and um she unfortunately i guess it's good she takes her time and we get a really good book when she put one out but she's not somebody that publishes every year so now um i guess i'm just waiting trying to fill that madeline miller shaped hole in my heart By reading all these other books. I hear that. But, like, I read um, Pat Barker's Silence of the Girls, which is another um, reimagining of the Achilles Trojan, you know, myth. And I went into it with Song of Achilles on my mind, so I absolutely hated Silence of the Girls. But then later, after I digested it and thought about it and realized what it was actually trying to do was completely different, and I could see the merit in it. Because her writing style was great. I was just like, I hate this story. This is terrible. But it wasn't. It was just so different than what I was wanting. It wasn't what you were craving. Right, because it was trying. I feel like she was trying to show a more honest portrayal of what it would have been like for women during war times which is not nice you know like it was just depressing the whole way through yeah it was very grim it was good but not if you're coming off like this epic patroclus and achilles love story yeah you know oh so beautiful man so dark it was amazing i know i'm i've I want to read it again, but I have to keep up with a Libby Cube that runs my (laughs) life now. So what did you think I was going to say?
1: I thought you were going to say The Starless Sea.
0: I did love it. I did love it, but it's hard for me in my brain to make sense that I read that in 2020. Fair. I get that. It just feels feels like i read that so long ago. i read it in january like actually i think i probably started it in december 19 and finished it in january 2020 yeah that's like at least 10 years ago exactly 10 years ago well now i'm reading the night circus too so it's she is just so good everything she does like it's yeah, she's amazing. like soul
1: crushing good yeah. i don't know what else to say yeah
0: i like how do you even do this She'll take two things that don't seem like they have anything to do with each other, two stories, tell them beautifully, different points of view, totally different timelines. They are told in totally different ways. They're in the same book, and you're like, okay, this is interesting. This is an interesting way to do this. And then later, it's just like, bam, it all makes sense, and it's tied together perfectly. And you're like, oh, okay. Because like a lot of her stories, like, okay, so the night circus... Um, don't hate me. It's pretty. But if it was just told in a normal fashion, the story would feel slow. And yes. it would be a completely different book. Yes. But because we see all these different points of view and all these different things and how it affects all these different people, it's it's like a clock. It's just like an old clock oh, with years.
1: I've never thought Everything of it that way. That's perfect.
0: Moving together toward the same goal.
1: I think I need to read that one again. It's been a few years. But yeah, that book hooked me and... From the night circus I would throw money at anything she did so it was exciting to see she had another book out and then I picked it up and it was like disorienting but hypnotizing
0: yes yeah like I feel like um you had to with the starless sea I find that a lot of writers like that book more so than just your average like fantasy reader or whatever and I think it's because it's almost like a love story too. the act of writing. Like everything is so, every sentence it feels like was labored over. Like there's nothing that's just, not to say that like everything's like intense because it's not. There's like fluffy love and everything in there. But there's nothing that feels extra. Like every sentence is pretty.
1: The entire book feels like a poem.
0: Yes. And it doesn't yes.
1: feel like it was contrived it just feels like it's a
0: poem right it's surreal and just beautiful and my spouse did not get it at all and he's normally we have a lot of overlap in what we read he's like I don't get it there's this pirate and there's like this portal and there's these bees and I'm like just keep reading just keep reading but you know I guess it's not for everybody but the people that like it tend to like really like it
1: it it did take me a while, and at first I was like, "Did I misunderstand? Is this a short story anthology?" Like, it was it was hard because every single chapter takes you to a completely different set of characters, a completely different line of of plot. But it eventually starts to come together, and yeah, no, and it feels like fairy tales. I mean, like there's some references in there that feel like Peter Pan, uh, with the pirate, or at least it did to me. Um, no yeah, I
0: got that vibe okay. too.
1: I, I couldn't remember how much of that was really on the page and versus in my brain but just um like some different things like that that come through that are very again like that kind of like gut level tapping into your emotions and just doesn't let go
0: it did have a little bit of a Peter Pan vibe because the girl that falls through the doorway and then she's yes. raised down there and then she grows up and suddenly she's on a ship mm. like it's so good I, I don't even know what I was gonna say but I love anthology so I guess Anything that kind of plays with that way of telling story, whether it's a show or, you know, anything, um, I lap it up. And sometimes I don't read it straight through. Like, so I've been reading The Night Circus for a while because I'll read and I'll put it down and I'll pick it back up and it doesn't have anything to do with not liking it because I love it. It's just sometimes you do want something that's straightforward and moving fast and it's going to make you, you know, gasp. And uh, sometimes you want a, just a pretty quiet book. Was there a show in 2020 that kind of surprised you? That you weren't, besides Veronica Mars, that you weren't exactly, that maybe you kind of fell into?
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I don't even remember what else I watched this year. I watched Schitt's Creek, but everyone knows about that. I watched Bridgerton over Christmas. So good. That's as far back as I can remember at this point. Like, Veronica Mars obliterated everything else in my brain. <laughs>
0: Well, my favorite show of the year, if it was this year, I don't even remember if it was 2020, but it really isn't applicable to this, probably not applicable to, to this podcast because it has nothing to do with like even science fiction or fantasy. Like at least we can loop Veronica Mars in by talking about The Good Place. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say this and I'll keep moving on. But uh, The Great, huzzah. Oh,
1: yes. So good. Catherine the Great so from Russia. Good. With Dakota that Fanning. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. And oh it my the God. She was, um, yeah, Elle Fanning was fantastic. Nicholas Holt was fantastic. I've started to realize he has a trend of playing just really zany characters. And as that realization started to dawn on me, I've become just like a diehard fan.
0: I never know who's in what. I have the hardest time remembering um, because... You know, like I don't really recognize faces, and so I'm like, eh, is that blonde? Is that brunette? Like, you know, like whatever. I mean, that makes it hard if you don't have a face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna write that down, Nicholas whole. And another one that I ended up really liking that was um, Haunting of Bly Manor. Did you watch I it? I did not watch that yet, but I keep, I, it's I not heard scary. many things. So here's the thing: it's not Hill House. Um, it is a ghost story, but I don't think it's a horror story. If anything, it's a drama, but it starts out feeling like a horror story. Mm. The aesthetic is a horror story. Everything about it's a horror story. But once things click into place, you're like not going to have nightmares at night. You're going to be like, like in the beginning, you're going to be like freaked the hell out. But once it starts making sense, it's just like, oh, it makes you feel like kind of sad. But I liked that because I feel like. And this is probably looking at it way too deep. This is, but like when you don't understand something, it can seem scary. But then when you peel back layers and you get to the root of things, it, it's very rarely scary. And I feel like that's what the story oh, was cool. for me. And a lot of people didn't like it. But I think the people that didn't like it were going in wanting something else. They were wanting like a scary ghost story. And it's not a scary ghost story. It's a tragic ghost story. Yes. All right. All right. And then I started a show called Tales from the Loop. I haven't finished it. I, like, I'll go watch an episode every once in a while because I want it to be like Black Mirror or Twilight Zone and it's just not that. Um, They're really weird. But it's still good. It's still good. It kind of scratches that anthology itch because I say all the time, I'm an anthology. Like, I love a good anthology. Um, and and it, it's just kind of like this weird show that kind of has this sad aesthetic. I can't really say why. It just does but I haven't it's been several months since I've watched one so maybe I need to go before I talk about it like I know what I'm talking about go finish it what are you looking forward to next year you mentioned a book that you're most excited for in 2021 yes Paranisi it's on my kindle I haven't read it yet I haven't even heard of that so it's from I don't know a lot about the book honestly I fell in love with the cover because it has like pan playing a lute is it a loop, pan? You know, pan like yeah. goat man. Yeah, and I, you know, like I'm on this hardcore um, Madeline Miller kick. But it's by the person that wrote. Was it Doctor Strange and Mister Norrell? Is that? Or I'm, yeah. I'm probably saying yeah. it wrong. Is that is that what it's called? I know. What you're, yeah, that's Doctor the book. Sh- not Doctor Strange. That's a Marvel hero, huh? No, I think that's see. still it though. <laughs> Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell. Norel Norel yeah there was a show they had a show of that that came out a few years ago but um, yeah it's I think the sophomore novel from the person that wrote that and it's supposed to be very good I'm excited I'm going in blind I'm kind of excited to go in blind that's what I did with Cersei Um, except with Cersei I knew like you know Cersei and turning the sailors to pigs and that sort of thing but that was basically it so this will be really really fun do you have one that you're really looking forward to?
1: I have a few, and I'm not able to pick a favorite. Um, okay, one that stood out to me early and, like, got me really excited for this year. It's called Star Eater, and it's by Kristen Hall, who I did not know yet, but has another book out as well. Uh, so here's the deal with this book. Fantasy, nuns, okay. blood magic.
0: What? what?
1: Yeah, kind of like a side of like court opulence type of a thing going on. She gets pulled into this like world of riches and has to navigate it.
0: Okay.
1: And our favorite thing, cannibalism. Oh, no. (laughs) And so, like, it's part of like the blood magic, I think, is like you have to consume. So, I, yeah, it looks, it sounds utterly bonkers. From the descriptions I've seen of it, it's getting buzz. Star Eater, Kirsten Hall, K-E-R-S-T-I-N. It's a female-dominated world where these nuns, like, this the sisterhood possesses magic through these, like, blood rituals.
0: So not, like, not like nuns as in, like, our world, nuns,
1: but, like... <laughs> yes, but they also, like, that's how they get the magic.
0: Oh. Yeah. Wait, so like a sacrament thing or is that unclear too far a stretch unclear okay
1: but it was enough like weird combined things that check my boxes that i'm just like i'm there i am so there
0: We don't know how you are about the cannibalism right <laughs> can we take a tangent real quick did you ever finish hannibal uh
1: yes yeah. and i gotta tell you i don't remember how it ends oh wait
0: <laughs> veronica mars ruined it for you <laughs>
1: That was a problem before Veronica Mars, though, I have to say, so I can't blame that one. But I did finish it. It was just, like, it kept going around on itself and taking different forms. Oh, there was that, the case with the um, totem pole of bodies, I think, was kind of their last case. Oh, God. Look, man, it gets so gruesome. Like, it wasn't even just bodies stacked up. It was, like, bodies that had been cut up and the limbs had been rezone in and, like, contorted so that it fit the right pattern it was twisted i forgot
0: you got in this really dark place (laughs) in the middle of the quarantine and like you are normally the fantasy girl like you love all things (laughs) fantasy but you went on like this horror binge i do blew my mind because you don't like scary stuff typically right like ghosts you don't like dark treatments
1: of things and i like gritty treatments of things i don't like ghosts usually which is a different thing i do usually like a good serial killer In that sort of vein, like I was super into Dexter, um, which is a deep dive I did a few years ago, Um, super into I'm trying to think of another good example. But so so it did hit a lot of boxes for me. Big fan of the original Silence of the Lambs. We talked about the second Hannibal, which had a problem for me with the uh, the cutting off of the brain and then feeding it to the person. Mm. So that was Mm -hmm. that one hit a little too far for me, and I'm not a big fan of like um like saw style body horror where you're just cutting people open for no reason. I'm just but um things like Seven or like where there's like a like a psychological game going on. Yes, give it to me. So yeah, it was like the deep dive for me to do, but I do
0: go that way. We're getting another episode of Dexter. I saw that. A reboot. I'm so confused. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm here for it. The thing know. is,
1: apparently, I guess they're bringing back the original showrunner who ditched the show and then it went to shit. Oh, no. And so I'm, I I kind of like don't want to give him another chance. Like, dude. <laughs> uh, I'm doing
0: it. I'm, uh, I'm here
1: for it. But I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure I'll end up watching it.
0: Well, did you watch... Um, I don't know what it's called. I call it Joe. What's the name of the show? You. Don't, you. The name of the show is You. And it's based on a book called You. And the book is written in second person. And the show and J- is on Netflix. Wait, how do you do a show of that? Oh, EJ, you need to watch it. Okay. You'll like it. Okay. It's serial killer. Okay. But it's, oh, it's very claustrophobic. Because it's you and he's talking to the girl the whole time that he's like stalking Whoa. and... It's, yeah, it's very creepy, but it's done well. I want to read the book. All right, I'm very curious. Hmm. Yes. Okay, so what was your other pick? Oh, my God. Other pick? Okay,
1: so a few more. I'll try to be quick. So another one I'm really excited for is Witches Steeped in Gold by uh, oh, Shannon yes. Smart, which is C-I-A-N-N-A-N. Uh, and it's like a Jamaican-inspired world with a lot of ritual sacrifice, and there's this girl who's out for revenge for her uh, imprisoned people, And lots of magic going on.
0: Yeah, no, that's on my list too. The cover's gorgeous. I'm here for that. It sounds amazing.
1: Okay. Another one I'm super excited for that I think is releasing early in the year, A Dowry of Blood by S.T. Gibson. This is the one that is inspired by the uh, Brides of Dracula. Okay. And so it's all about their experience. I hear it gets very, like, sexually weird. Um, but it's also, like, mega-gothic, mega-queer. Uh, and then, like, there's some trigger warnings. If you go to St. Gibson's website, she has a whole list under the teaser of trigger warnings. And I oh, wrote wow. some of them down. So, like, some of them are things that I don't know how anyone could ever get, like, excited about. So, there are things like emotional, verbal, and physical abuse. Uh, references to, like, threats of sexual abuse, um, none on page and none that actually happened to anybody from what I remember seeing. Um, but so some things like that, that are just plain out dark and not exciting, but then there were some other things that were like checking my boxes. (laughs) So I don't know what that says about me, but also things like depression and mania, body horror, gaslighting, sadomasochism, like the list goes on, but it's going to be really dark.
0: I know that Um, trigger warnings are especially appreciated, but some things like gaslighting, I think in certain genres, like it's a given, like if you're writing anything like a bride, like a bride of Dracula retelling, it seems there, you would think that has to be there. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not, I'm not faulting this author for putting it there. Of course, you know. You have to do what you
1: feel is right. But yeah, that that one to me was like piquing my interest more than it was worrying me. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this sounds like it's going to be weird. Uh, And then the final one I wanted to call out is by Charlie Jane Anders, who is the super award-winning author of um, City in the Middle of the Night in All the Birds in the Sky, previous, uh, and I think the original editor-in-chief of io9, which is a sci-fi techie type of news website. That's amazing if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it. Uh, and so now she has written a young adult book um, that's kind of like a found family space opera type of a thing. It's called mm-hmm. Victory is Greater Than Death. Um, I have not gotten to All the Birds in the Sky yet. It's in my to read pile next to my bed right now. But I read The City in the middle of the night and was just in awe of the world building in the detail orientedness of it all. Uh, it was lovely and strange and so so imaginative and then um i do also have to say that i was lucky enough to get to talk to her uh, when she was on tour here for city in the middle of the night and got to um, publish that for book riot we'll link to it if anyone wants to see a deep dive into that but she's just a very very smart creative geeky individual who kind of uses that enthusiasm for the geeky things to uh, build out these worlds in incredible ways. So I'm excited to see what she's
0: doing now. Sounds amazing. Touching on some of your things you mentioned, touching on brain stuff, you need to check out um, on HBO, HBO Max, I guess. I don't know if it's on regular HBO. I don't know what's going on with HBO right now. Um, it's a documentary and it's about dissociative identity disorder and serial killers and the physic- the biology of the brain versus like the psychology of the brain. And I'm not going to do a dive into it real on here because I will butcher it, but I just did want to mention it because I think you would enjoy it and other people may like it too. It's not fiction. It's a documentary, but it's called Crazy Not Insane. And I had put it on just to have it in the background while I was doing other stuff sure. because that's how I roll apparently. <laughs> I ended up sitting down and like watching the whole two hour thing. Amazing. I was, I like want to watch it again. So, because I feel like there were things that maybe I didn't grasp or understand like I should. And so I want to re watch it so that I can make sure I got all of it. Sure. And it's just this woman has spent her life studying serial killers and the possibility of dissociative, of them dissociating and um, huh. the ethical responsibilities that that play into like a court of law with the death penalty and how it's all tangled together and like if you're competent to be tried and like it's very very interesting and it'll make you think of things even if you disagree with her or agree with her whatever it will definitely make you question things that you've never questioned and i was like okay this um yeah it was really amazing. it was really good amazing yeah like it, and it it was it wasn't dry so you could be wanting to just like watch a movie, and you could be wanting to watch a weird something happening, and you could watch this and like be fine. Like right. it's it's very interesting. This uh, <laughs> I looked down at my notes, and uh, it's kind of hard to read my own handwriting. <laughs> um. I, I have never had this problem before. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've got like so many. So the boys, the second season came out. Did you watch it?
1: Yes, that's one of the things I watched this year.
0: Thank you. Way back when. I'm going to, like, probably disagree. I feel like I'm, like, such the party pooper on this. But I felt very, like, wah, wah, wah. I wanted more. Mm. Like, it was good. It was good. But I felt like all of season one was, like, this build up, this build up, this build up. And I felt like everything that happened in season two was good. There was nothing that made me, like, dislike it. But I wanted it to be bigger and better.
1: Bigger than a
0: boat crash into a whale? I forgot about that, but yeah. Yeah. It was horrifying. (laughs) I I forgot about that. (laughs) But the whole thing, like, I don't know. Like, you introduce this woman character, and, like, she's at first, like, Starfire. I think she's, like, super cool, and then she ends up being, like, the villain, and then they have to, like, conquer her. And I'm like, okay, I needed her to be, like, badder, or I didn't need... I, I just, something didn't hit for me. Hmm. I don't know what it is. Did and you I watch the full nobody season? Nobody feels like that.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. You thought she needed to
0: be badder? Well, not badder as in do worse things. I needed more, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Something didn't hit for me. That's fair. Something did not hit for me. I mean, she was a Nazi. I don't need her to be, sorry, spoiler me. alert. She was a Nazi. I, you can't get much like worse than that. But, I don't know. The Aquaman character that cracked me up—how he got into like fake Scientology, like whatever the on the show version is. Yeah, and they promised him everything and then left him hanging. Like (laughs) I was like, (laughs) yeah, he is
1: just nobody's number one, and nobody cares at all.
0: Oh yeah,
1: yeah, that was a really funny arc.
0: But you know, like I I watched the whole thing, like I binged it in a few days, and it was in the middle of the pandemic, so maybe I should. Maybe it warrants a rewatch once my brain resets and the world is normal.
1: I did hear some critiques that landed pretty solid for me in terms of um, I can't remember any of their names. Uh, the main rebel guy, Keith Carl the Urban, one with the accent. Yeah, the one with the that, accent.
0: Yeah, and like all the people from England and Australia are like, "What accent is he doing? Like, what yeah. what is that?" Um,
1: yeah, but that guy, I. Uh, he, the 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 woman who was playing his wife who had the son and was kept in like mm-hmm, captive timing. because um, Captain America dude whatever his name is had raped her and she oh, gave he birth is and, so creepy uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but um, anyway so his wife uh, is apparently a bigger character in the comic version of all of this and uh, she kind of got the shaft here and kind of got cornered yeah. into this like maybe I kind
0: of. There was this whole thing where, like, you thought that these characters were going to be more important and have these bigger roles, and then they just kind of died. And you're like, oh, okay. And maybe that's what felt flat for me. Like, you give me all this build up, I need some payoff for this, this storyline. For some
1: reason for me, this has gotten filed so deeply into a shock factor <laughs> show that someone dies, and I'm just like, yeah, do it again. And I, I don't know <laughs> what it does to me, like...
0: Uh, I, hit, like, I know why you're like that. You watch don't know. 20 hours of Hannibal over the quarantine. <laughs> Nothing shocks you anymore. <laughs> oh God! I'm just joking.
1: I'm not. I'm not sure that, that needs to be. Um, <laughs> but no. And so, so something about it like taps into something like that for me, and I'm just like rah! So I kind of go numb to it, I guess, um, which is maybe part of the point. But. Um, but yeah, and I, I thought the um the themes about like mob mentality and the hate that they were tapping into and the oh, way that the memes yeah. were being used were like very obviously but appropriately. You know on what? Point for the I year. forgot
0: about that, and you're right. They did do a good job with that. I think I was in such a funky place, yeah. locked at yeah. home, and the shit had hit the fan and the world was on fire. But maybe it wasn't quite as on fire as it is right now. post coup or maybe no, it was wasn't quieter. Yet. Yeah. It hadn't come to a head yet. That's the way to yeah. put it. Like, it was exactly, exactly the same. It just hadn't come to a head. So they did go there with some things. They and did. I was, yeah, impressed with that, you know, showing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so I like what they were doing. But, I mean, like, if it doesn't hit for you, it doesn't hit. I mean, The Boys is definitely well, not a show that's for everyone. And then on top of that... The plot itself has to work. Back, so
0: I take back I take back my critique until I rewatch. No, I, I think maybe I just wanted it to be something it wasn't, and like that's not fair because that is, is totally you know, fair. I'm gonna rewatch it. <laughs> I'm time. gonna rewatch it <laughs> and let you know. Sure. Um was there a YA book that you just fell in love with this year? Hmm. Good question. Hold on a second. So two that were exciting for me. One was Dread Nation, the zombie book, and the other was Ghostwood Song I Really Enjoyed by Erica. Oh. Um, that was on our Babadook episode, And we should actually. shout
1: out that she has a 2021 book coming
0: up. She does. It's called, is it The River Has Teeth? Yes. Is that what it's that called? sounds right. The cover's gorgeous. Yeah, it is The River Has Teeth by Erica Waters, and it comes out july 20th awesome 2021 so look for it yeah. and she's very excited about this book everybody's excited about their book but i think this is the book for her oh, the one yay. that she just feels really strongly about so i'm not i mean i don't know i'm just judging from mm-hmm, tweets mm-hmm. so you know yeah good for her yeah it looks yeah. awesome uh but I you're that. asking about
1: ya books so one that yes. I read this year but did not release this year, it's a few years old, is Three Dark Crowns by Kendara Blake. And that was very late in my year. I got that in just under the the line in December. Really fun. Um, again, kind of a dark premise. Uh, in this world, the, uh, the queen bears a set of triplets, triplet girls. And then those are okay. the three... Next queens, except only one of them can actually rule as queen. So, the uh, tradition in this world is that they are raised separately with the intent that they must kill their sisters, and the one that survives is the queen. And so, um, they all kind of live in separate parts of this secluded island world that lives under this rule. So it's matriarchal, but it's very dark and brutal. And they each kind of have a different area of magic that they practice. And each one's very distinct. And the it's a, tr- it's a trilogy. And this is the first book. Uh, it rotates very evenly between the three triplets. And so you get a very close sense of each of them. You don't want any of them to die. You know that eventually they apparently have to.
0: So... Um, it's a pretty thrilling setup. I'm going to read that. Like I just looked at it on Libby, so it's getting added to the never-ending queue. <laughs> um that made me think of another one you talking about that. So The Queen of Nothing, which was the final book in the Folk of the Air trilogy by I'm so Holly excited Black. to get to that. Yeah. It actually published in November 2019, but I didn't mm. read it until 2020, so I'm going to count it. And it was a lot of fun. That whole trilogy was a lot of fun. In fact, though, I feel like if if you get to it and they're all published and you read them back to back, it'll even be more enjoyable. I could see that. Um, uh, Probably the second one in that series was my favorite, I think. That's a good the one. The first one was what? The Cruel Prince. And then I liked The Wicked King, the best. And then The Queen of Nothing. It's really weird when the second book is your favorite, right? Because normally that's the hard one. I
1: agree. Yeah, that's usually a tricky one to do. But um, I've read the first and second book in that series, and I can totally understand why you would like that. Um, I am a huge fan of the main character of that series, Jude. Uh, She's so smart. She's so strategic. And she's kind of like emotionally pulled back from everything that's going on in a way that makes her very calculating and fun to watch.
0: Yeah. And then she's contrasted with her sister, who is very different, um, but also very important to the story. So that's a lot of fun. And Holly Black is another one of those authors that just and it's it's so funny because it's so different than other authors we've talked about that we love. Like they're all different in their own way, but she can just like weave these fantasy stories with this detail and they're not like. Like, The Starless Sea is very literary. And Holly Black's stuff is very fantasy genre. And I'm not... That is not any way a slight. Like, I love that. And they're just fast-paced. The world is big. Like, she covers everything. But she just... Like, you can't turn the page fast enough. And it's so it's so interesting. I think I, I could be wrong. But I'm fairly certain it was her. I was reading an interview. And it was talking about her writing process. And this is so funny how different it is for everybody else. Cause she was talking about how she listened to a podcast, I think, about Neil Gaiman talking about his <laughs> writing process. And she was just like, That's not how I do it. And it like made her like panic. Oh my like, goodness. oh my God, this isn't how I'm not writing right. And of course, like she's Holly Black. Right. Of course she's doing that. She's doing it right, something right. You know? Right. And uh, I just thought that was very interesting. Oh, interesting.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's great.
0: Oh, American God starts again tonight. Tonight yeah i think so Shit. i think i saw it on twitter look that's where i get all my information so like,
1: <laughs> oh that's another good one okay uh but we have been going for quite a while so oh god maybe yes. in conclusion uh 2020 there was a lot of great things to read and watch despite the world
0: despite the world
1: here we are in 21 lots more ahead that again should be good to read and watch Despite the world.
0: I was going to say that I think 2022, 2023 is going to be like just a rockin' year for content because everything that all these writers and creators <laughs> had all this time in 2020 to work on will be coming out at that point. <laughs> and we're just going to have this influx of yeah. really, really great.
1: Agreed. It's going to be awesome. Although I am drawing a line in the sand right now, I am not reading anyone's covid
0: drawn story
1: there's already one out with Anne Hathaway and uh oh I can't remember who the guy is but
0: I know what you're talking about like I'm not
1: I can't do it I won't and I never will
0: oh I started watching this show called Utopia which is it was really good but it was about a pandemic and it was written (laughs) way before so it's not COVID and I was like what am I watching this for this is not what I'm in the mood for
1: I think I'll be able to do pandemics again, but I'm not going to be able to do, like, social distance, like, contemporary world-based living through COVID.
0: Yeah. Oh, this one had, like, it was very comic book-centered. You'd probably really like probably it. probably It was very interesting. John Cusack's in it. That's Ooh, good. Yeah, I would like that. He plays, you he don't plays the villain. Yeah. I love a bad I John I think Gillian Flynn adapted it, so it's, like, all these buttons are being hidden, yeah. Nice. All right. Well, you were trying to wrap it up for a better (laughs) 2021. It's got to be better. It's going to get better and better, better
1: and better and better. It's it's only up from here with the uh, the insurrection in the United States in the middle of a pandemic. So here's how Only go
0: up. Okay. well, I'm going to say what we never say. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and let us know what you thought about this and our other episodes. Until next time.